Well, you know, with each new year, people make resolutions. Maybe you have made a few yourself. A new year is an opportunity for a fresh start. And so typically, the previous year is looked upon with negativity oftentimes, and the new year is seen as a prospect for, for change, for something new. Uh, every year, I like browsing through the internet and seeing some of the New Year's resolutions that people make. Uh, I saw one posted yesterday that said, um, I was going to uh, lose weight this year, but then I read Leviticus, and it said, all the fat is the Lord's. <laughs> I, I reminded the individual that, um, that Leviticus also says all the fat has to be burned. So, but I was looking at this list, and uh, I found a selection of resolutions. Here's a few of the ones I found. Uh, I will not bore my boss by the same excuse for missing work. I will think of some more excuses. I will do less laundry and use more deodorant. It's scary. I will not eat medicine just because it looks like candy. I will play more computer games. Scientists say they're good for me and improve my visual skills. I resolved to stop poisoning my family with my cooking. One person said, I will stop exercising because it is such a waste of time. And finally, one person said, just for today, I will not sit in my living room all day in my pajamas. Instead, I will move my computer into my bedroom. You know, as we set goals, hopefully some of our goals are a little bit longer than that. Uh, as we set goals for New Year, it's important, it's important to have a sense of purpose and understand how that purpose mandates what we believe and mandates how we believe and, and, and how our behavior should look. As you set goals, if your purpose takes care, better care of your body, then your goals are going to reflect what you believe is good and bad for yourself, and then your resolutions are going to seek out behavior that contributes to better health, right? As you, look in, as you and I look forward to 2023, uh, this morning, I would like to remind us that we live with a superior purpose. And because of that superior purpose, our resolutions and our intentions, whether they're resolutions for the new year or just resolutions for how we're going to walk with our God or walk with our family, our resolutions and intentions for a new year and for life need to be reflected in what we believe and what we do. It needs to be so as individuals, and it also needs to be so as a church body. This morning, I'd like us to turn to the third chapter of Colossians. It's a familiar passage to us. We've, we've been here before. In fact, it's one of my favorite, my favorite passages of the Bible. I, I love Colossians, and uh, love Colossians chapter 3. Uh, but our text is a reminder of several principles that we've looked at in the past, but like New Year's resolutions, uh, which need to rem- we need to remind ourselves of these things once in a while. And, and the principles that we find in Colossians chapter 3 are, are worthy of us taking another look and, and a reminder of these things. Uh, Colossians uh, is a marvelous epistle from the Apostle Paul's collection of letters to the churches, and it demonstrates with clarity, the doctrine of the preeminence or the superiority of Jesus Christ. Uh, in fact, we had a series um, a while back, I think maybe it was 2020 or 2021, where we looked at the book of Colossians, and the whole theme of that was greater than. Jesus is greater than this. He's greater than that. He's greater than everything. And so in Colossians, uh, you know, the, it, this theme, uh, this doctrine is the preeminence and superiority of Jesus Christ. And in chapters 1 and 2, he showed that Jesus is superior in creation, he's superior in the church, he's superior in ministry, and he is superior 
to all the worldly wisdom, to the law, to the different systems of spirituality that the Colossian church and the us were, are, are being bombarded with and challenged with. Paul didn't want the Colossians to be cheated out of their reward. He wanted them to understand the, the superior life that they already have because they were in Christ who is superior to all things. And so in chapter 3, Paul does the same thing that we oftentimes see in, in other passages in other books of the Bible. Uh, we saw it in Romans. You know, he spends 11 chapters talking about doctrine. And then in chapters 12 through 16, he turns to some very practical application. How do we live out this doctrine? We, we saw it in Hebrews, right? This first several chapters of Hebrews, we have a lot of doctrine. And then, okay, now how do we live this out? Ephesians, several epistles are, are going to do this. And so there's a lot of content that deals with doctrine, but then he turns from the doctrine and he shows his audience how that doctrine is lived out in their lives. And he, he does that here in Colossians. And so if Jesus is truly superior, which he teaches in the first half of the book, then this ought, this ought to show us how we ought to live, and he shows us this in the second half of the book. Read verses 1-4 through four with me in Colossians chapter 3, and let's start there. He says, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also will appear with Him in glory. And so chapter 3 begins with this big word, if. We talked about, we've talked about that a few times before. This, this big word, if, has a lot of ramifications, doesn't it? If this is true, then all this has to be true. And, and this, this, um, this word here is, is bigger than a normal if because the way that it's used here is, is he says, if this is true, and, and the, the, the phrase that he uses in the Greek language says, if this is true and it is true, then all this has to happen. If Jesus has been raised with Christ, has he? If you have been raised with Christ, rather. Is, is that true? Yes. Well, then this is what needs to be lived out in our lives. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then you are a new person in Jesus Christ. The old you died. It died with Christ on the cross. And you've been given new life. And so therefore, if you have been raised with Christ, and you have... And if He is preeminent over all things, and He is, correct? Yes. Then you live with a superior purpose. And He commands the Colossians, and you, and me, to seek the things that are above. Uh, we had an incident in our house a while back. Uh, our family um, was sitting in the living room, and one of the ladies of the household uh, lost a needle. Yeah, that's not good, right? Uh, it, it was in one place a few minutes before, and then like little things, like TV remotes and keys and socks in the dryer do, they, it just kind of disappeared. It, it vanished. It was in one place in one moment, and then it wasn't. And so we moved furniture uh, all over the place. We moved furniture to see if it had fallen under, under a chair. A couple of us got down on our knees and our hands, and I, I put my face to the ground to see if there was maybe a little bump somewhere in the, the surface of the floor. 
Um, we looked in the cracks between floorboards to see if it was found between the slats. Uh, we sought after that needle. I think we found it in a crack in, in between the, the, the slats and the, the boards, if I remember correctly. You see, we didn't want to find it later by somebody finding it later. That's the word that's used here. Seek. Seek after. Seek the things that are above. How do you do that? Do we casually go through 2023 just hoping that we'll walk with Jesus? Do we casually open up our Bible and go, oh, I hope I, I, this works out for me today? Or, or do we seek after His kingdom? Do we seek after the things that are above? Intently look to the belief and behavior that circulates in the realm of Jesus Christ. Your aims, your aspirations, your goals, your plans, whether they're New Year's resolutions or, or just your intent to walk closely with Jesus, everything should be affected by this superior purpose. So what's your life look like today? As you consider your goals for what 2023 might look like, can it be said that you are looking intently? Are you seeking intently after who Jesus is and what he's like so that your life will look more like his? In verse 2, Paul commands us to set your minds on things above. The, the, the way we think must be altered by our position in Christ and by our resurrection with Christ. And so, all of this affects your past, it affects your present, and it affects your future. Uh, he goes on and he talks about the past. Uh, he says, you've died. He says, for you have died. The old Jeff that was filled with anger, the, the propensities that I had as a seven-year-old before I trusted Jesus, the inclinations toward addiction and toward hatred, toward bitterness and, and hidden fury that were manifesting itself in my life at such an early age, that all died. And my friends, we have all, we've all been to funerals, right? How many of you have been to a funeral where they got up? Anybody? <laughs> I haven't. You know, sometimes you imagine, you know, did, did that move, you know? But when it's dead, it's dead. We look forward to the resurrection, but we all know what death means. And when God says that the old you died, my friends, it doesn't get back up. It, it doesn't rise to new life of sin. We know what happens when something is dead, and unless God raises something from the dead, it stays dead. And God says that your old self is dead with all the propensities towards sin that you were compelled to. He or she is no more. Amen? So in the past, you died. And in the present, your life is hidden with Christ in God. If you are a believer, then then the eternal life that God has already given to you, the new life that you have in Christ, it, it's hidden. It, it is unable to be touched by anyone. 
The idea behind something being hidden here in the text, it, it doesn't convey something that is, is hidden so that others can't know about it. That wouldn't be good, right? If your new life in Christ is hidden so nobody can know about it, or, or so that it conveys that, that others, uh, or that you, it, it's hidden so it can get lost, like that needle did, um, that'd be bad. But instead, the idea that it's, it's, it is hidden is so that it's protected. Uh, one of our, our cats recently had a batch of kittens. I think we have another batch coming on the way if anybody wants one. Um, but um, all but one of them was given away. We kept, we kept one to replace one of the ones we lost. And last week I came home, and if you remember, it was kind of cold, right? Um, it, it was a cold evening. I got home, and I came into the garage, and, and there on the cat post where, where the cats sleep, um, there was one cat up on the top shelf, and then all the other cats were in this, you know, they looked like eels kind of, you know, you know, just mixed together. It was this big ball of cats. And they were keeping one another warm, and, and, and there were these four cats looking up at me. And, and then but when I looked closer, I, I noticed that there was a fifth little head poking out of the center of the pile. And the one kitten that we kept uh, was in the center of all his brothers and sisters. All the cats were piled around the last remaining kitten, and, and he was hidden. And he was toasty warm. He was hidden and protected by all of his older siblings. That, that's the word that's used of your life in Jesus Christ. It is protected. It is hidden in him. And nothing can get to it. In the past, you died. In the present, your life is hidden with Christ in God. It is protected. It is secure and so in the future, verse 4 goes on to tell us that when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Don't you look forward to that day? I pray with Todd uh, that it might be this year. Might 2023 be the year He returns. My friends, we serve a superior God, Jesus Christ. He is preeminent. It means He's first. And therefore, because you have been raised with Christ... You have and live with a superior purpose. That's the first principle that we discover in Colossians chapter 3. We can't miss that. As you start a new year, as you move forward, maybe just a new perspective on, on how you need to live, you can't miss that we have a superior God, we live with a superior purpose, that you are dead to the old self, you are alive to Christ and hidden in Him, hidden with Him in God, and, and because of all these things, we look forward to His return, and we will appear with Him in glory. We can't miss those things. It's more than just New Year's resolutions, isn't it? If, if, if you get to, to February 1st and you've already broken some of those new resolutions, does that mean that you have to wait till January 1st for the, the, uh, to start over? No. It's more important than, than dates and New Year's and... It, it, it has to be priority in our life. Long after our normal resolutions are broken, Jesus is going to remain preeminent and we still have our life in Him. Because who we are in Jesus Christ is not dependent on your successes or your failures. It is hidden with Christ in God. He holds it secure. That's the beautiful thing about God's grace. 
It's a beautiful thing about a God who comes down and, and wants to be with us. As we've been looking at the story, understand that these aren't just, this isn't just God's story and, and how it unfolds in the Bible. That's how He reveals Himself in His Word. But that story continues in your life. He's still involved in your life. All these things that we see in Colossians is the story being lived out in you. It's not new revelation like we have in God's Word, but God is still active. His Holy Spirit is still working in you, and He is still moving you forward to that day in which we will appear with Him. He wants to be involved in your life, and He wants to, to show Himself through you. Well, in verses 5-7, through seven, He goes on. We not only live with a superior purpose, but we are called to die on purpose. Uh, look at verses 5-7. through seven. You see, we, we see this superior purpose. And as we reflect on 2023 and what it might hold, there, there are decisions and there's goals, there's aspirations, there's resolutions that we look forward to. But I would suggest to you that our superior purpose should, should drive all of those things. And, and there are a few things that we ought to remember as we move into the new year. In verse 5, Paul talks about the importance of our second principle, dying on purpose. He says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. Uh, understand what he's saying here. Before Christ, you were spiritually dead. But you were alive to sin, and you were alive to the flesh. But now, after Christ, you are spiritually alive, but you are dead to sin, and therefore you are alive to Christ. So, so we probably ought to ask a question: What what has died? Uh, I know it gets a little confusing for some of us as we talk about being dead dead to our sin but there's still this struggle that we live with right there's still this propensity that our body struggles with well the spirit in colossians chapter 3 has been made alive in christ and we've seen that christ is our life and our our life is hidden with him in second corinthians 5 galatians 2 colossians 2 he talks about the old self and when he talks about the old self he's talking about the flesh which is the willing instrument of sin and how it was crucified and buried with Christ. And the new man was raised with Him. You've been made a new person. And so you are no longer obligated to sin like you used to be. Um, you have a whole new perspective. You have a whole new spirit within you. Uh, we we're told in Romans 4 and Ephesians and Colossians that, that we have died to the penalty of sin. And so um, heaven is ours. Eternal life is ours. But we've also, we've also been freed from the power of sin. But we're told here in Colossians as well as in Romans that we need to put it to death daily. You're no longer obligated to sin. It no longer has the power over you that it once had. But daily we have to put it to death. You see, in the future, we will be free from the presence of sin. But here in this present, we still have this struggle in which we're tempted where things are, you're go, there are going to be things that you're going to face. There's this real struggle that we live with in the here and the now. 
And so the flesh involves lusts and it controls the mind according to Ephesians 2. We're told that the flesh governs the mind of the non-believer. And so what's the solution for the Christian? What's the solution for living life today? We're told that it's by the power of the Holy Spirit and the renewal of the mind that we reckon the flesh crucified. You see, dying on purpose, it means first that we put to death that which is worldly in us. Putting to death is a conscious decision of, uh, of the will that each one of us have to make daily. There, there are things that he lists here that, that just shouldn't be a part of the believer's life. And, and those things must be put to death. As you begin 2023, there, there may be some things that, that you need to put to death. There may, there may be some things that you're looking at in your life going, this, this just isn't right. This should not be a part of my life because I, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I have a superior purpose in Jesus Christ. I am alive in Him and, and one day I will appear with Him. And, and these are things that should not be happening at all. And they need to be put to death. And that's a process of, of considering them dead and turning away from them. You may have something that you need to put to death today, even as you remember that you have life in Christ that came through His death on the cross. So what are those things that you need to reckon as dead to you? Paul not only talks about putting to death what is earthly, but he also talks about putting off certain behavior. There's certain behavior that that tempts us all the time. There's struggles. Uh, we, we face the challenges of, of daily life. And, and he uses this picture in the text of, of putting off the old clothes. If, um, if someone were to lose 200 pounds, would they put on the old pants? Wouldn't make sense, would it? Um, would, would he keep around those clothes that he used to wear and say, oh, just in case, you know? I might see if I can fill that again. No. He goes on verse 8. He says, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. I, I've shared with you, Angie and I used to live in Cozad, Nebraska. And in Cozad, um, they have uh, Monroe shock absorbers. I, I think maybe, what, a fourth of the town was employed by this factory. And, and they made shock absorbers that were shipped all over the nation. And um, the, the people that lived in our town would go to work in the morning, nice and clean with their overalls and, and everything looking good. And, and then all day long, they would sit in that factory taking these shock absorbers and packing grease into them. And, and then everything else that, that went into making a shock absorber, however that works. And at the end of the day, they would be covered from head to toe in shock absorber grease. And they had a, one of the guys in our church ran a, a laundromat, and he was very successful. Um, all those clothes would go to the laundromat, and, and they'd be specially cleaned. But you better believe that when a person came home, they'd walk in the door, and they'd give their wife a big hug and say, honey, I love you so much. That's just how it worked, right? No, she'd get, wait, don't, before you touch me. Before you say hi, before you give me that, that good evening kiss and hi honey and how are you, take off those overalls, go in the back door and leave those where the dirty clothes go and put on something new, right? Um, 
the re- this renewal that, of, that, that we see here in this passage, that the new man, we're see that we see that the new man doesn't have to replace. He doesn't have to be replaced like the old was. This renewal represents a new quality of life that never existed before. And, and it is constantly renewed by our God. Rather than constantly decaying like the old self was. We also see that we must understand that we, we do not have both the new self and the old self. Uh, this is it's just not biblical. I, I know sometimes it, because we're tempted with sin, because there's this struggle in daily, the daily life, and, and you get faced with decisions, you, you go, oh man, I did that again. Uh, and you, you put it off. And, and you, you, you turn to your relationship with Christ. Because we're, we're in this struggle in the here and now before we are, we are freed from the presence of sin, uh, it's tempting to think that, well, I have the old self and the new self. That, that I'm the same person I used to be and I'm a new person. But that's not biblical. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that the old self was put off. He, he died. And, and though you still have the same personality, the same, you're the same individual. Jeff Niles is still Jeff Niles. I still have the same brain and the same memories. But, but the old propensity that I had towards sin is dead. I am a new person in Christ. The old self that was made in resemblance of Adam is no more. But the new self, which is in the image of Christ, exists today. But this dilemma is that we live in this old body that still has this struggle with the flesh, right? And so we must put off the old man and his deeds. And it's not an issue of worrying the old man, the the old you that was alive to sin, but, but we're commanded not to wear his clothes. And that's the struggle of the daily life. The old self is gone, but it's tempting to look at those clothes and go, hmm, I might fit into that again, huh? The principle here is that you and I are, are not to be putting on those old things that, used to, that used to, we used to wear that characterized the old life. And so, don't lie to one another. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. They need to be put off. They're not appropriate for you. But then he goes on and he talks about putting on. You see, in 2023, there may be things in your life that need to be put to death. There may be be a temptation to put on the old clothes. There may be a temptation to try to look like you did before you were in Christ. And so just as important as putting off certain things is the importance of putting on certain things. Look at verses 12-14. to 14. He says, putting on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if, you have, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you almost, you, not almost must forgive, so you also must forgive. Pardon, pardon my tongue. So you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Paul says that you are chosen ones, holy and beloved. Uh, those are three terms that were used to describe Israel in the Old Testament. They were beloved holy ones, chosen. You see, no believer became a Christian solely by their own choice. 
He chose you. Isn't that remarkable? Out of all the world, He, he chose you. He chose you from the foundation of the world. If you are a Christian, this means that He has called you and He has saved you. The doctrine of election, it, it crushes human pride. It exalts God and it should produce joy and gratitude to the Lord in the life of the believer. Election it grants eternal privileges and assurance. It promotes holiness. It makes us bold and courageous. We have no need to fear the enemy or anything anymore because if you are in Jesus Christ, then you are chosen. And he also says that you are holy. Uh, you, you have been set apart for a new purpose. And you are beloved. I, I love the picture of, of sanctification, of, of being holy. Uh, I, I've told you about the toothbrushes that we have in our house. Um, we, have, uh, we, we used to have this pink toothbrush. And for a short time, it was something the dentist had given me. And it was this bright fluorescent pink toothbrush with blue bristles. And I used it. And, and then it graduated. It, it just got beyond use. It got a new toothbrush. But rather than throw that away, it got used on the fish tanks. We'd clean it on, we'd use it to clean things, get little cracks and you know, get the you know, green stuff out of there. Um, and then Joshua came along and, and we graduated the toothbrush from the fish tanks to, to Josh. And he had two, no, no way. He had a little one with bells on it and you know, it jingled when you, when you brushed your teeth, you know, the, the two there in the front. Um, and you better believe that I would not use that toothbrush on the dog, right? And then back on Josh. Or any of my kids, except for Anna, maybe. <laughs> um, that's sanctification. That, that's holiness. That's what it means to be set apart. You have been set apart for a specific purpose. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then, then you are not to be set apart for something else. You are set apart, which means you've been made holy, and so therefore you need to be living out holy lives. And so would it be appropriate for something that's been set apart for a specific purpose to be over here cleaning fish tanks? And if you are being sanctified, it means that you are set apart and should be living in a manner that is appropriate to the holiness that He has called you to and that He has made you. He also says that you're beloved. God loves you and, and has chosen to lavish His grace on you. So let me ask you this question. If you are a subject of the kingdom and um, if you are a subject of the kingdom um, but you are forgotten, ordinary, unknown, how are you going to walk through the streets? If you just have a king and you have to serve him but he doesn't know who you are, you're insignificant, it affects the way you walk, doesn't it? How does that change when you are chosen by the king? When you are called as his ambassador? When the king steps into your life and chooses you and adopts you as his own son or daughter? Who you are changes the way you dress. 
Again, as followers of Jesus Christ, there is behavior and there are words and there are heart attitudes that are inappropriate for you to walk about in. And so the Colossians, so Colossians tells us to put to death certain behavior. It tells us to put off certain things because this is no longer who you are. You're a child of the king. But then just as important as what you consciously decide to remove are the things that you consciously decide to put on. As a follower of Jesus, you are to be just as remarkable because of what you put on as the sins that you put off and toss aside into the trash. And that brings us to the final word picture of chapter 3. We, are, we, are, we serve a new master who is kind and gracious. He is the one who is greater than all things and whom we are called to welcome. And so what do God's people put in that makes our heart a place where Jesus feels at home? Verse 15 goes on and says, and, if, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 3 here, it notes a couple of the things that we are called to put, to put in. There's some things we put to death. There's some things that need to be put off and then we put on to replace those. But there's some things that need to be put into our lives. The first that he mentions is peace. We now have peace with God. Those of us who were at war with Him, if you were a son or a daughter of Adam, you, you were in rebellion against your Creator. But because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, he gave us peace. And we have peace with God. And we're commanded to let it rule. The, the, the term there means to umpire, to referee something. Let peace umpire your life. It should guide us in this life. The peace that you have with God through Jesus should compel us to purity. It should encourage unity and it, and it is maintained by obedience and thankfulness. And so closely tied with this peace of Christ is, is thankfulness that we need to put in. The next time that you feel bitter, bitterness starting to rise in your heart, choose to give God thanks instead. When your spouse breaks his New Year's resolution on January 3rd, or her, and they do something hurtful, or when your parents don't seem to understand you, Instead of letting anger or bitterness rule in your hearts and referee the way that you act, instead choose to give God thanks for that individual. And then watch how God transforms not only your heart, but your relationships. And third, we are commanded and called to put in the Word of Christ. He says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. My friends, there are many Christians who are frustrated in their Christian walk and one of the chief reasons that I believe this is so is because they become lazy in their attention to God's Word. They're just not listening to what God has to say. And that has consequences in the way that we put off and put on. The way that we live out our life. 
And the term that he used here uh, is to let it dwell. Let the Word of Christ live in. You see, as we furnish and we decorate the home, the, the Bible cannot just be an occasional visitor. You know, maybe something you ask to come over once a month. Instead, we must put it on as a permanent fixture. And this starts by taking time to read God's Word. We're, we're called to memorize and meditate on God's Word. But critical to this process of letting the Word of Christ richly dwell in you is the corresponding decision to submit to its teaching. Because it's one thing to read God's Word. It's another thing to obey it. Mark Twain once said, most people are bothered by those passages of Scripture which they cannot understand. But as for me, I have always noticed that the passages in Scripture which trouble me the most are those which I do understand. We must give it a permanent residency in our lives and spend time in it. And then we take all that it says to encourage us and convict us and let it change us. So what is 2023 going to look like? What we see in Colossians is that because we have a superior purpose, it doesn't matter what happens in politics. It doesn't matter what virus comes next. It doesn't matter what happens all around us in the world, what happens in your society. It doesn't matter what tragedies come to you in 2023. The loved ones that you lose, the friends that hurt you, the betrayals. All of that is secondary. We have a superior purpose now that we have a new life in Jesus Christ. The old has died, and that means that we put to death the deeds of the flesh, and we daily put off the, the deeds of the old self. We must daily put on the deeds of righteousness, and we must always be putting in the peace of Christ, a thankful heart, and the Word of Christ. We've been in a series called The Story. And we've seen how God's story ties together all these individual stories of people's lives throughout the Bible and throughout history. But I, I don't want you to miss that His story is still being tied together in your story. He's still working out His purposes. He's still using you to accomplish the things in this life that He desires to accomplish. And He wants us to share in this journey as He is with us, as He camps in our midst as he actually lives in our hearts and colossians 3 gives us the resources we need to live the story in 2023 with a superior purpose mm -hmm.